The 80s were an era of musical excess, and photographer Mark Weissguy Weiss was there to document the biggest and most dangerous bands of the time. From Van Halen, Ozzy, Metallica, to Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, and Guns N' Roses, the Decade That Rock podcast will look back at the period's most historic music and moments through Mark's iconic images. New interviews with rock stars both old and new will give fans a backstage pass to the most hedonistic era in music. Along for the ride is me, Mark's co-host, Greg Alpert, music journalist, comedy podcast host, and 80s rock addict, and I'll help shape the conversation from a fan's perspective. Come with us for a decadent celebration of the decade that rocked. Well, first of all, I, I don't have to ask where you're from, Greg, because you said talk, so I know where you're from. Where? <laughs> Tell me. How you, well, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, are you a New Yorker? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not hard to figure that one out. Um, I was born in New Jersey, <laughs> northern New Jersey, like 10 miles outside the city. Grew up. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I grew up mainly out, out here, but spent a lot of time in Los Angeles growing up as a kid. And oh, cool, man. Still to this day. And then I went to college in Boston. So I. Wow. It's just a crazy mix of mostly that. I'm outside of Boston and I haven't, I don't think I've gotten the Boston accent yet. Yeah. But I've been here, I've been here since 95. So you would think that I would, but you guys tell me if you hear it come out. Okay. No, you, I, you have, you have a certain bulk in your voice, in your, in your thing now. Uh, do I? <laughs> but it's not like it doesn't, but you're not saying like quarter, but you have this, this, <clears throat> this like, you know, Boston TV show kind of kind of thing but but you don't have like a real boston accent for sure okay yeah i hope that never happens man because you know the the, the cape cod accent the cap you know all that stuff i don't yeah want yeah you don't have that i don't want that yeah <laughs> i don't blame you um yeah no i don't hear it at all <laughs> i'm sure there's something in there though there's like a letter here a word there that it, it, you just can't help it but it, it yeah. certainly doesn't come but out on, on the next sun bomb record we we should do like a like a three-minute conversation piece where, where you just lay it on thick. You know, it's a, a lot of things that changed in the last year for the sun. Yes. And, uh, you know, I was drinking a beer with Trace over there. And then uh, we came up with this tune over here. Let's do it. You know, like, like those Sam Adams commercials, your cousin. We can do that. Yeah. We can totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, thanks for joining Mark and my podcast, The Decade That Rocked. This is our second season, and I would actually introduce you guys, but I'm just going to say you're two dudes from this new band, Sunbomb. There we go. And Perfect. let people figure it out for themselves. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, Tracy Guns, Michael Sweet, I mean, you know who they are. Uh, well, I got to get rid of... And of course, legendary Mark Weiss Guy Weiss. Wise Where's guy. Mark again? Mark, say hi, man, so we can see you. Hey, man, how's it going, guys? I'm on my phone. I can't. I can't see. Oh, everybody. okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Everything's good. Last there time. you are. Okay. I, 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 I hope we we sell some more records, Michael. So you know, with my first royalty check, I'm going to buy you a computer for <laughs> all our interviews. I got my computer sitting right here, but I'll be. I'll tell you, it just strike it up to laziness because. I didn't have the link in my computer or an email. I had it on my phone. So I said, I'll take the easy way out. And here I am on my phone, but I got a computer right here. <laughs> Do you realize you just talked yourself out of getting a brand new computer? <laughs> Dude, I don't have a computer. I, I was lying. <laughs> hey, 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 Mike, can you angle the phone down so I can see more of your chest? Oh, yeah, like this? Yeah, oh, baby, yeah. yeah what are you yeah. trying to say, man? Mark the boob guy. I guess so. because well, I got... I got moves. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's 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 more pleasing now. Now you have the guitar. It's you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Oh yeah. yeah I, I haven't I haven't gotten any thinner. That's for sure during this goddamn pandemic. We're all looking oh, good. As long as we're healthy, we're good. Everything's cool. And the last time uh, I saw Michael, actually, I should say Michael saw me was in St. Augustine when I was uh, visiting my good friend Little Ozzy. And and uh, he said, "Was that you walking in St. Augustine?" And and I said, "Yeah, that was me. Thanks for like stopping and saying hi." And shit. Well, uh, it was weird because we had just uh, left the hotel, and we were on our way to another location, going down to see Lisa's dad in Melbourne. And we're driving down the street, 
you know, cruising along. And, and it, it was one of those things where our heads spun around. We're like, what the heck? Is that Mark? What? You know, it was one of those things. Right. And as we're seeing you going, what? We're driving. And, you know, yeah. we thought, like, should we turn around? And it's like, we didn't turn around because, you know, we had somewhere to be. And we weren't sure if it was you. Lo and behold, it was you. It was. It was. Yeah, I, had, I, I had the same experience. I was at the swingers club. You know, <laughs> there was all these orgies going on. And I put my head up for a second. Like, is that Mark Weiss? <laughs> you know, and yeah. everybody on this side said, said, oh, yeah, that's Mark Weiss. And, and they joined in, too. So, yeah, incredible. Fun. Incredible. Fun night. Fun night. How many bandanas was he wearing? <laughs> When I saw him, he was wearing just one. He had one on his on his on his head, and that's how I recognized. Like, I think that is Mark, you know. So you had the bandana. Yeah, I, I've walked into uh, like places, and I like now I have. I'm trying to like you know mature a little bit, and like you know the 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 bandana is. At first, the reason for the bandana was because in my in my 30s, I was thinking like I was losing a little hair, and I tried the Rogaine and all that, and then I noticed like that wasn't working. And then I noticed it really wasn't like, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't going any further. So I kept, but yeah. I kept the bandana on it. I like it. It keeps my hair out. I right, still right. have a head. Of, I have a head of hair, but I started wearing Yeah. But I started, I actually at St. Augustine, I found this really cool hat and it's like kind of like a Greek fisherman's hat. A little, it's like kind of like a seventies vibe. So I'm going to be uh, support sporting my new, uh, my new headwear pretty soon and, oh. and pretty comfortable. Yeah. Nice. Nice. When, when I see you like this, it reminds me of when I was like 20, 21. I have a jacket, a leather jacket that Kent Holmes painted. You're going to freak out. He painted a picture of me. I can't believe that this is in front of me. Me wearing this, because this is what I wore on that um, the first LA Guns photo shoot or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and like in this wrap. Wow. And I wore it like that whole thing. And when I see you, it always reminds me of that, but I yeah. can't believe I still have this. <laughs> That's crazy. And why is it right here? Like, wow. Well, because I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> What's that emoji with the exploding head? That's right. Yeah. That's well, Mark, you were you were down there just visiting. We were down there checking out the area because we're relocating. It's awesome. St. Augustine is uh -huh. awesome. Yeah. It, it is really awesome. The only thing I you know, Googling and doing all the research and everything, you find out all the pros and cons. Yeah. Some of the cons of that area is they flood a lot. Okay, right, right. They have a yeah. lot of water issues. Yeah, and and yeah. I don't want that, you know, with the I, I studio. Yeah. yeah, indeed. So, sorry, I was on my phone. My, my, you know, my wife lives in Denmark and she, you know, she's getting ready to go to sleep and it's just, wow. The time difference is. <laughs> no worries, dude. No worries. Right. So you guys obviously go back a, a long way knowing each other, obviously. Well, yeah, we, man, we used to smoke weed together and uh, no. We would read the Bible, read the Bible and smoke weed together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what we used to do. No, um, oddly <laughs> enough, Michael and us, we were never um, in-person friends until about three and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah, even growing up in the scene, we just never uh, came across each other. I back kept texting Tracy for, for from the very beginning, back in the eighties. I would I had his number, his cell number, it's and true. I would text him every week and say, "Dude, can we meet?" And he would say no. And <laughs> finally, three years ago, he said yes, and we met. Wow. Yeah, and I, I was playing hard to get. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it worked for what thirty-two years. <laughs> so. I, I, I didn't know that we had phones that could text back in the eighties. We, we did, yes. Oh, okay. Tracy uh, and I were the only guys who knew that. Okay. Yes. You got to look closer to those album covers. <laughs> That's right. So, like, where where did the idea to start a band together? I mean, like, what well, how did that spark come after all these years? It's it's th th there's multiple stories, not from us, but. Serafino from the label, he likes to think that this was his idea. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's like, okay, Serafino was your idea. But the reality was is that Mario from Frontiers hit me up and said, Hey, do you want to do a solo album? And I immediately just said yes, because you know, I like to make money. Money's right. a really important kind of thing. Yeah. But I had no idea what I would do because you know, I I I won't ever do like an instrumental thing or some, you know, notey 
kind of kind of thing just because it's boring for me right so um i i really didn't know what i was going to do so i started just writing some music that just came out and i had been listening to a lot of metal and you know meaning everything from sabbath to maybe the newest stuff i was listening to was like 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 satiricon or right. you know new metal that's like 20 years old yeah you know? so me and my wife enjoy that kind of music and we would do sunday drives and only listen to metal so when i was writing it was like all this like you know ozzy scorpions <laughs> influenced kind of stuff and then i thought about it, oh, oh wait let me focus on this a little bit more and I wrote a couple three or four songs and I'm like who the fuck's gonna sing on this <laughs> you know what I mean like like and then I realized wow you know Michael Sweet we just came into each other's lives you know and we had played a Van Halen song at a Striper gig together and we had done an article in Guitar World and and all this stuff and like I just maybe Michael would be into this. So I, I just texted him a song and he was at a hobby store <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, what do you think of this? And he just wrote me back and goes, what is this? You know, and I go, that's me, you know? And uh, he goes, he goes, this is awesome. I go, you want to sing on it? And he said, yeah. And then I said, you want to sing on 10 more of these? And he's like, are you doing an album? Said, yeah. And he, and he said, yeah. But, and, and then he has his side of the story. Yeah. Michael, yeah, what's was- the real story? <laughs> that's basically yeah. That's basically it. I mean, I when he sent me the song, I was in Michael's Arts and Crafts with my wife, and I I got the song. And I listened to it right there in Michael's. People were walking by, going like, "What the heck," you know? And I'm listening to this song, and I'm thinking, "Oh wow, this is cool." You know, this is heavy. This yeah. And then I wrote Tracy back, and I said, it, "You want me to sing this one song?" And then he said, "No, an album." And that's when you know the deer in the headlights. I kind of went. You know, because <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, an album, that's, you know, that's quite a task. That's a lot of work. As we both know, it, you put a lot into it. You know, it can be months of time, if not years. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, gosh, I really want to do this. Uh, I got to think about this. And, and we were able to make all the dots uh, align, the planets align and whatnot and, uh, and figure it out schedule wise and finally get it done. Tracy had the music done way before I had the vocals done. I mean, it took a while because some lyrics had to be rewritten and, and whatnot. And once it came to me, I was able to jump in my studio and do the vocals. And here we are, the album's out. It, everybody seems to love it. Uh, yeah. It's very successful and it's created quite a buzz. And it's really awesome and such an honor to be working with Tracy finally after oh, all these years, because, you know, Tracy's a legend and here I am working with him. So it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, the album is, is, is I mean, I, really fantastic. I listened to it again this morning. Nice. And, you know, there's obviously the second you hear a lyric come in, you know who is singing that song. Like, there, there's no question, like, I wonder who this album is. I mean, it's very obviously, you know, you. And it's it's so good. And the heaviness, when I first read about it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be, like, super duper heavy. And then I when I listened to it, I'm like, oh, it's not as heavy as I thought it. I mean, it's certainly heavy, but it's yeah. not, like, Crazy, you know, the crazy when people think doom and all of that stuff. And, right. it, you know, the guitar is just so crushing. It's so good. The whole thing is awesome. So I, I'm glad to hear that it's really doing very well. I mean, it should. Are you guys going to take it out, like, on the road? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know. Question everybody asks. Yeah, it, it, it's, <clears throat> it, it's such, uh, I don't know what the word is. Is, is, it's, is it's like, in theory, in theory, you know, you make an album and yeah. and, and you, you get excited about it, then it comes out and then you want it to be more successful. So you go and do all these dates and sell merch sure. and so, you know, but the thing for, for Michael and I is that it took me a year to finish the rec, the music. It took Michael to finish a year to finish the vocals, put it together. So for us, the success was finishing it. Right. You know, and then yeah. being like, wow, we did it. You know, we, we pulled this off. And, you know, it's said that when you don't focus on the success of something or you're doing something for, you know, a different reason or, you know, like we weren't really trying to appeal to anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Like we were just like, hey, 
these are our influences this is exciting for example i sent him the music and we never had a conversation about what the vocals were going to be we never yeah. talked about wow. you know like like i never got like a rough and said oh michael you know maybe we could you know change the melody none of that so it was completely like me in isolation doing my thing sending it off to adam hamilton who, who played drums on it finishing the music and then okay michael i'll see you in a year kind of thing <laughs> and you know when i started getting the vocals back you know with really good mixes too before i heard anything really it was like christmas every day yeah. you know it was just like wow you know how did we do this and so now at this point you know that question comes up is like are you guys going to take this on the road and it's just like how you know yeah like you know how do we spend money getting four guys together in a central location to really rehearse because this music is not like oh yeah i'll learn my parts and yeah. uh I'll, I'll see you at Sweden Rock Fest, and yeah, yep. we're gonna rule. Right. It would cost a lot of money, first of all, to do that, and then we'd have to justify that. Sure. By, yep. by having some type of touring situation where it was financially stable in an adult way. Yeah. You know, we got kids and families. I I have two mortgages, man. I got one in Denmark and one here, and two kids, <laughs> yeah. and ex, and and a, and a wife, and and, and then I have LA Guns guys. I'm responsible for those guys. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, so that's I, your priority. That's as it should be. As Stripers, yeah. my priority. And the reality is, it's hard enough just to put those tours together. Right. You know, to, a, a tour for LA Guns. I'm sure you guys. You know, that's tricky. And with Striper, it's tricky. It's hard to get everyone together and, and make it work financially and put it on the books. And then you're looking at 2022, and you're going, you know, how do we do Sunbomb or how do we do this project or that? you know it's it's it seems next to impossible but i do i do think that tracy and i can figure out a way yeah creatively to do something whether it's a few songs whether it's a half hour set whether it's maybe a, a one-off or two-off show or shows somewhere maybe yeah. we can figure something out at some point if everything aligns and, right. yeah. and everything logistically works out well, I know <laughs> Like, like, like an interesting way to do it, if all the stars align, would be to have L.A. Guns and Striper be doing a show or, or three. And then we say, hey, you know, we'll open the show. We'll do four songs, five songs. Right. Like that's best case scenario. You know? Exactly. Like, exactly. And, and, and go out and do a few songs and then, you know, both bands play and people go, oh, cool, man. We got to see some bomb and hear some some bomb music. And, it, and if that's a if that's a ground run, which is, you know, few and far between these days for yeah. bands like us, uh, you know, we do more. We, yeah. we do more shows and more performances. So, I mean, who knows? But I think in the future, we'll figure something out at some point in time. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially dealing with the pandemic, you know, at this point, yep. it's hard to make decisions at all. Yep. You know? Totally. So have you, have you guys decided, like, you know, you're a, you're a, a band you have four guys that are a band or just the two of you uh you're gonna do a band photo you're gonna do a video i mean you can still do those things kind of we, I mean, we, we we definitely have a drummer you know um mitch davis who played bass on it he 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 likes to remain anonymous he has a great music job in the in our industry where and he has a child and a wife and he's in New York city, lives in a village and, and doesn't need to go do that. You know? So, um, I'll tell you yeah. what, dude, Tracy, when we, we, if we ever do this on our own without LA guns or striper, you yeah. got Adam. So it's kind of half of LA guns, so to speak. Right. In a and way, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, uh, let's consider bringing in Mr. Richardson, our bass player, because he sings like a bird. Oh yeah, uh, I love it. Not that there's any harmonies, yeah, and, yeah. and we kind of we kind of combine the two forces. But it's just a thought. So we just, we just put that you know on our podcast. We're putting together a touring band. Yes, that's what we do here. We we bring it all together. That's our just that's a our thought. Band. Just throwing that out there. And, and then I have a thought that when you do that, you take me out on the I like road. that. I, 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 I like that. Well, wait, Mark, do you play bass? 
Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I don't actually. Oh, dude. I know I could have doubled it up. Yeah. <laughs> could you shoot and play bass at the same time? Yeah, that would be tricky, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, it would be a band everyone, you know, that's a fan of the genre and put your guys individually should should see because I, I saw um gun LA Guns at uh, Iridium when you guys played there, whatever that is now a year and a half yeah. ago, maybe two years ago at this point. And I, I went for two reasons. One, I, I absolutely love both your bands, but LA Guns, you know, I grew up half in, in LA in the eighties. Um, so both of you, of course. And I, I was like, I got to see these guys play a jazz club. <laughs> right? right. So I was, when I, when I saw the ad, I'm like, is this right? Like, did they make a mistake and book the wrong venue? And of course you didn't. And yeah. it, that you guys were so great that night, but I imagine for you playing that room, it had to be very strange. Well, in theory, it would be, but the thing is, is like, kind of my my passion is, especially growing up in LA, is blues nights, you right. know, um, where, you know, a good portion of my 20s and 30s, and even my early 40s, when, when that was a really healthy scene, I would play, you know, the baked potato and, and places like that in LA, and there's a lot of venues like that here, where... It's, you know, I, I call them the quarter volume shows, you know, you go in and, and you don't know who's going to be there and, sure. and you just play. So that's really who I am as a musician, you know, you know, LA guns is scary to me and I never really talk about it is because we make big, loud music and we play big, loud rooms and there's a lot of big, loud people, especially now. Um, and that my, my nervous system isn't cool with it. Mm -hmm. It never has been. You know, it's uh, it's just like it's always overwhelming for me psychologically, wow. you know, um, so a setting like the Iridium, if I see something like that or what's what's the gig in Derry, New Hampshire, I think it is, Michael, you know, that one, that room. Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah, there's a few rooms up there. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I, as a matter of yeah. fact, I think we're playing it. We're playing it coming I'm up. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. And it's such a perfect venue you know it holds about 800 people seated yeah. you know and it's clean and air conditioned yeah. and the stage is just right like that's that's where i'm comfortable you know so a place like the iridium i see it on, on on the on the list and i'm like oh that's gonna be nice you know yeah it was awesome i mean in such a small atmosphere and a super tight i mean yeah. I, there probably wasn't too you know the only the party holds 200 people maybe if that yeah. I don't yeah. even think it holds 200. It's like yeah, I don't think so either. On the stage that small with you guys as, you know, doing what you do, I yeah. was like, there's no way I'm not going to see this there. <laughs> it definitely didn't disappoint you. I mean, the whole... You know what other venue, Tracy, uh, compares to the venues you're referring to and just where you walk in and say, ah, oh, amazing, awesome, is uh, El Corazon in uh, Seattle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm being as sarcastic as I possibly it's, 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 it's the smell that attracts me. <laughs> oh you know? Like, you know, that the oh. ceiling that's right here when you're playing, poles right in front of you. Yeah, yeah the pole. Yeah, yeah, you know, I just, when I see that on the list, I just am like, really? <laughs> Fucking again? Are you kidding me? But one time, Michael, you'll love this. One time, and I like the owner, you know, like, oh, yeah, he's a sarcastic, you know, Seattle yeah. guy and uh, a little bit older than me. And we, I walked in one morning and I didn't realize we were playing there again because they changed the name like 10 times. I walk in and he goes, nice to see you again. And I go, oh, man, I go, it doesn't smell so bad this time. He goes, yeah, you know, we cleaned up for you guys. And I go, I'll have to do something special tonight. And he goes, well, why don't you wear a dress? Yeah. Glam guy. And I go, yeah, I'll think about it. So I I found a green sequin like mermaid dress <laughs> and I wore that on stage. Oh. And, I, and after the show, you know, I, I'm doing the settlement with the road guy and him. He goes, I was only kidding about the dress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, but you that, are obviously. I did it there. <laughs> That room. I love it. Yeah. I love it. 
do you guys have any like uh, like specific memories of Mark shooting you you guys on, on the you know different different tours or things throughout the years? The thing I remember about Mark is you know we we shot with a lot of photographers in uh, Lafermin and Zlozauer and you know all the guys that Tracy shot with as well. And the thing that I always remember about Mark was when he would shoot us, it was always a calm atmosphere. He wasn't swearing at you. He wasn't throwing things at his assistant. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. It was always a very calm, inviting atmosphere. And it made for a better shoot, you know, because we were just really relaxed and really comfortable. And that's what I remember about all the the white shoots, you know? Yeah, I mean, Mark has always been more of a friend in a relationship, I think, with most of the guys you, you've really worked with, as opposed to, you know, a hired photographer or anything like that. So... You know, the hang is more important yep. than the shoot. And then, you know, since that your talent is, you know, photography, the results are awesome. But I mean, I just seems like my whole life I've been on tour with Mark Weiss you know, <laughs> on buses and restaurants and shoot. I don't I don't even remember doing the photo shoots. I wasn't, you know, uh, out of my mind in terms of whatever could have taken me away from cl clearly thinking back then. But I, even I can't remember, dude, I, I wasn't, I'm not saying you were, I don't know if you were or not, but I wasn't drinking and smoking or doing anything like that back then. And I can't even remember those days. My, my mind is failing me as I get older. It's crazy. Yeah. That's oh. real though. Yeah, I mean, D says in my book, in my opening of the book, he goes, and I, I was around D all the time, D Snyder from Twist. I did the Stay Hungry, yeah. come out and play, yeah. went to the yeah. PMRC, and he wrote in the book, he, and he ended it saying, I, I, I don't remember Mark being there, but I know he was there, and, you know, because of the photos, you know, so check out the book. So, yeah, but and, and D was a clean guy, right? He, he wasn't into uh, Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you know. He doesn't remember me with the camera, but you know, obviously I was there and that that's, that, look, I was just a fan and I, you know, being around like Ozzy and icons yeah. that I grew up with were amazing yeah. and they let me in their world, which like for me was like a kid wow. in a candy store. And then when, you know, bands like, you know, Striper and LA Guns come out the scene, Doc and Rat, all those bands, Bon Jovi, like I, no one knew who they were and I didn't know who they were in the beginning and then, you know, and I was the big guy, but, but I, to me, right. I, I saw these guys as, as the, the new Ozzy or the new, you know, Jimmy Page or whatever, because right. they, wow. they commanded the audience, you know, they, they're playing the same places that Led Zeppelin played pretty much, you know, they yeah, played, yeah. Uh, you know, opening, you know, Black Sabbath opened up for, or Van Halen opened up for Black Sabbath. And, you know, so it was right. all the stepping stones. So when I was shooting Rat, opening up for uh, a bigger band, like, you know, Molly opened up for Ozzy, next thing, the next tour, they're the headliner. And that's what happened with these guys. And, wow. and for them to let me in their world, uh, even as, you know, freshmen, sort of say, was still for me, I, I'm still that humble 17 year old getting arrested at a KISS concert, selling pictures <laughs> for a buck a piece, so. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, it's, it's a real compliment to you, even, you know, what Dee said, because you always felt like one of us, so it wasn't like, yeah. like there are other photographers that, yeah, I remember the shoots because I wanted to fucking leave, you know, like, you know, they're <laughs> yelling at you and telling you this and that. And they're not, they're not rockers. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not necessarily one of us, you know, and you have always been just like yeah. with the band, you know, yep. living in the situation not living outside the situation and coming in and making your presence known, you know, it's like when we did the interview, the rock scene thing on the bus, you know, it's like, how many times have we sat on a tour bus and talked anyways? So that, that was also probably one of my, my most comfortable interviews. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. you I was really honored for you to tell me your story from when you were a kid, you know, it's so, it was so cool, you know, and I just want, I just want to know, like it's like we have we should have like a campfire and you're just telling stories and you just <laughs> let it out and I'm just there and same it's my same thing you know with my photography I just want to be there and and capture it and, and yeah. you know take it all in you know it, it's like yeah. how how 
how much better could that get for a fan, you know? And I, right. and I love the music. I still do. It's all I listen to. I mean, I'll listen to new stuff if, if it comes my, through my, you know, on my path or yeah. someone turns me on to something, but pretty much I'm listening to Ozzy's Boneyard and, and Hair Nation, you know? And it's yep. like, I feel like I'm still back then. And I remember in the nineties when the eighties started fizzling out, you know, and I turn on the radio because I'm a radio guy. Like, I don't like to, I don't want to decide what to play. I, I want, you know, and I used to listen to the, the stations that played rock and it would be Striper and LA Guns and whoever else was on there, Motley Crue and Ozzy. And then the nineties, it, it fizzled out. But then when Sirius came in, you had those stations again with the right. DJs and Keith Roth yeah. and, you know, all these guys talking about it. And it's like, you feel like you're still in, in high school and, 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 you know, back in the day. So it's, it's well, that's uh, important, right? I mean, that's what, you know, the music that we all kind of, I don't want to say grew up on, but, you know, between what our parents listened to and until we were about 30, you know, music was kind of defines the sound of that important part of our life. So it's like, I get that question all the time, like what's new that is inspiring. And it's like, well, nothing because I'm, I'm old. And, you know, and, and, and I already have kind of the background music to my life that really touched me. And it's like, it's not a slam on new music. I'm literally old and I don't care. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, like, it's like, look, I mean, there's a band called Radkey and, and they're amazing. Um, three guys, power trio. And yeah, they, they make me excited when I hear their music, you know? Um, but there's nothing on the radio that's like claiming to be heavy metal that I'm like, damn, man, like I got to learn that guy's solo. It's like, it's yeah. like nah, you know, Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen, man, you know, Dimebag. Yeah. Come on, you nobody. That's yeah, very true. Occasionally there's a band that comes along every, maybe every 10 years for me that really blows my mind where I go out and buy their record. Right. You know, right. um, and maybe every five years, you know, maybe more often than 10 years, but it's rare. It's very rare. Um, and we're not saying those that there aren't great bands. We're saying right. that, yeah. that those bands are for the, that generation, this generation of, of people growing up having right. that. It's just, it's yeah. hard to relate when, you know, the immigrant song is the greatest metal thing anybody's ever done. You know, it's like, Come on, nobody's gonna top that. No, nothing's gonna like push my button and make me feel the same way I feel like that. Except Sunbomb. <laughs> Sun so, yes, of course. So what? Um, one of the things we're gonna do here at the Decade of the Rock podcast is like try to expose like bands that are happening now that have that '80s feel, the image, or what have you. So you want to name a few because we like to interview some of them. So if you want to throw some uh, names out our way. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest here, man. I'm not involved in music in that regard where I keep up on all the bands, all the new bands coming out. So I don't have a list, uh, a long list to give you. There's a few bands that I'm impressed with. One, one band's called Inglorious. Uh, and I'm, I'm impressed mainly with the guitar player and the singer. Uh, and just really talented guys. They've been they've been out for a while. They're on frontiers, so they're you know they're not making a ton of noise, but they're making noise. And I'm actually doing a project with the singer Nathan. Oh, he's uh, in a, he's in a Trans Siberian Orchestra, right? He uh, is. Yeah, yeah he, I, he, I, I know. Yeah, he's amazing. Amazing singer, yeah. killer singer. He looks like a Viking, you know. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, and sweetheart of a guy too. But man, in terms of new bands, you know, that are out there right now making noise, um, uh, Dirty Honey obviously kind of grabbed my ears and made me say, okay, this is cool. Great singer. It's always for me it, it, as a guitar player and a singer about the guitar player. If, if I hear the voice and go, wow, and then I hear the solo and go, wow, two more times, you know, it's like, I'm sold. Yeah. Those are the two things that really draw me in. Yeah, I mean, new bands, there's this, this young guy called Link Ray has the song called Rumble. He's going to make a splash. Um, Chuck Berry, I think he's up and coming. Chuck Berry? New York Dolls, the New York Dolls. I really think they're yeah, Elvis Presley. He's, 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 Elvis? He's, 
I think he'll be the king someday. He might be. Well, they're saying that, but I don't know, man, because he's got a funny look, you know? He really he, does. He does. But the, the, there's one band that I, that I can think of, um, and they're an L.A. band. Uh, I think they're from Bakersfield, actually. They're called the Aviators, and wow. they're, they really have the ingredients. You know, they have, they, I, I would describe them as a cross between ACDC and Slade. You know, uh -huh. they kind of have this real Les Paul, Marshall, bright rock sound. The singer, uh, I think it's in August. I'm, it's too early for me. Anyways, he's amazing. You know, I mean, he's authentically, you know, he, he sings, <laughs> sings for Jimmy Sakurai, the, the, the Jimmy Page guy. The Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy. He sings for him. But his band, the Aviators, they're, it's a the kind of band you go and you see live. And I, the first time I saw him, I was with Eddie Trunk at the Whiskey, and we saw these guys. And it was just like being at a concert in the 80s, you know, like wow. like an ACDC concert. And I was like, whoa, why? I don't know why they're so authentic to me, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they're probably just super talented. It's really, what's hard for me is <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to new bands, and it's it's hard for me to listen to a band that has the talent, but yet th th their music is so reminiscent of another band. So like, you know, Greta uh, Van Fleet, amazing band, right? And, but yet they sound in some of their songs very Zeppelin-ish. Sure. And I instantly think subconsciously like, okay, there's already a Zeppelin and, yeah. and you can't top that ever. And I, I, I'm always drawn to those bands that come along, which are, it's so rare, where they really have their own unique sound. Like, they don't sound like any other band. And that's hard to do in the sea of music that we have, right? In the history of music, it's hard to do that, to be an innovator. But there are those bands that come along every now and then that are innovators, and they literally have their own thing. And those are the bands that make me go, holy crap, you know, yeah. these guys are blowing my mind. You know, it's a really good example of that is Rage Against the Machine, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because they definitely have the elements of Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, which is the familiarity, right? You know, I mean, that's the one thing is we're always attracted to familiarity, not right. copycats, but familiarity. Right. And then, you know, you had Zach pretty much kind of rapping, you know, in a Chili Peppers kind of way. Yeah. But, but his message was so strong you know yeah. and the band was so tight and the riffs were so good and reminiscent that it's believable you know yeah. what i mean that it's believable now if you look at like why bands like guns and roses and motley crew from the 80s ended up being so important and and this thing is they're lifestyle bands, kind of like hip hop is lifestyle. You know, it's about lifestyle. And Guns N' Roses and, and uh, Motley Crue in particular, and definitely LA Guns, it's, it was, we were singing about a lifestyle, about a time, about what we're doing every day or what we're seeing and stuff like that. So same with Rage Against the Machine, you yep. know. And then you have like what I call kind of like like Pantera, right? You know. Pantera to me, and this is going to sound weird, so you got to bear with me. It's kind of like Van Halen, right? You know, you got this band, you got the three guys that were terrifyingly good. Just like, like, whoa, like what's going on here? But the singer defined the sound. The right. singer, you know, Phil Anselmo was so believable and so cocksure of himself. Yeah. And whether whatever his views were or are or whatever <laughs> was kind of secondary because the delivery was so intense yep that if you hated them you still believed them sure 100%. right you believed what was coming off the stage and out of your speaker you know and for me music has to be like that it has to be genuine it has to be and that means if I go see an Iron Maiden cover band and they're living it, then I love that Iron Maiden cover band. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Because they, yeah. they mean it, they're feeling it, they're living in that moment. You know, so in this very, very short attention span world, 
um, it, I think it's hard for anybody to really have the attention span to grasp onto a new rock and roll band or heavy metal band. It is. Um, that is that is developing in a way where society is attaching to that vocalist where they're going, man, this guy is saying some things and it's touching me and wow, which is kind of uh, one of the greatest things about Michael, you know, a lot of your subject matter goes right to the heart of people that, that are believers, right? Yeah. You know, that's important. It's important for people to attach themselves to music where the stories reflect them. For sure. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so for example, you know, LA guns, sex action, that's important, man, because everybody tries to have sex at least one time in their life. <laughs> at least. <laughs> there you go. You, you took all that beauty and you wrapped it up with uh, aluminum foil. I love it. <laughs> So, so listen, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to end on that note, uh, although it would be so fun. Um, before we do wrap, like what's going on? I mean, we talked enough, of, not enough, but a lot about Sunbomb and what's going on with you guys. And hopefully one day we see that together on stage someplace um, with your own band, Striper and LA Guns. What's going on with you guys for the next, you know, six months or so? Like any, anything coming up? You guys well, playing I'll, some shows? I'll, I'll go first. Uh, we got... Uh, the guys they're coming out here i'm learning i'm learning old songs that i haven't played since the 80s literally right now and that's a task in and of itself that's really hard yeah because the fingers and the brain don't want to work together to remember and play those old songs so in old parts so i'm going through that right now for the next four days they come out here on monday and then we're going to rehearse here in this room and uh, we're going in and doing a live, uh, we're doing a live series where we do two albums at a time. We already did uh, Tell What the Devil and Even the Devil Believes. And then we're doing Soldiers Under Command and an acoustic album oh, cool. in the next two weeks, live at the studio we record at. So right. that's happening. I'm doing another project with Alessandro, at Frontiers, like Journey Meets Toto. I got that album uh, with Hoekstra and Nathan I just turned in. And then uh, another Sweet Lynch album in November and a, a new Striper album in January. And then we're going to hit the road next year. You know, yeah. Supposedly, that's that our agents booking like a, a wild man. So it's going to be a, a busy next few years. And when I think about that, I start to hyperventilate. Because, <laughs> right. You know, I'm very settled, man. I, I kind of like being in my studio and staying home and going out on my back porch and smoking a cigar and, and then going down and singing at my own leisure and doing whatever I want to do. It's kind of nice. Now yeah. I got to follow a schedule again. And that overwhelms me, man. It really does. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you got your hands full. <laughs> That's a lot. I of do, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Very yeah, no, for sure. It's interesting that you kind of wrap that up that way, because that's how I feel, you know, is it's like, I've really enjoyed this time, you know, uh, and being in my mid fifties, <clears throat> I gotta say, I'm terrified to, to leave the safety of my two homes, you know, with my children and access to recording and working and like doing things like we do together yeah. and things like that. And I just don't know, because I mean, you know, we got sun bomb just came out and then we have this cocked and loaded live LA guns record comes out in July. And then, we have a studio record that comes out in November and then I'm doing something with Jack Russell, kind of the same kind of projects you're doing. Yeah. And, um, there's plenty to do at home, you know, <laughs> there's plenty to do. And I do. And like Michael, you know, I have the two best balconies in the world. You know, I, I go out on this balcony and I smoke and I, and I overlook Hollywood and all the trees between me and the city. Yeah. Yep. And then, in our house in Denmark, you know, we live right on the ocean, right on the port, you know, in my oh, balcony, nice. I go out there and I smoke and, and I have a studio there too. So it's like, hmm, you know, is it important yeah. to leave home, you know, for 30 days at a time to pretend I'm a rock star? Like, like I struggle with that. It's like, yeah. it's like, hmm. You know, it'd be a lot more attractive if L.A. Guns was really big, you know, yeah. 
if we were doing 5,000 seaters and there was catering every night and, and <laughs> a certain level of, of comfort, you know, but at best, you know, touring in a tour bus playing, you know, big nightclubs and small theaters at best, it's uncomfortable at right. best, you know, yeah. it's not fun, especially at our age, you know, it's like, the bus is the one thing that saves it for me. It's like, yep, okay, at least I have a house on wheels. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it can be gr pretty grueling. I mean, living out of a suitcase, it, do those five a.m. lobby calls, three, four in a wow. row, flying on planes, pulling all your luggage, and going on stage at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's a hundred degrees outside in the direct sunlight. You know, all those kinds of things that just make you go. Ugh. <laughs> you know, yeah. but at the same time, this is what we do and, and, and it's in our DNA and, you know, it's, it is still enjoyable to do it, uh, but it's always nicer to do it at a, at a higher level for sure. And when you have yeah. that cater, when I was with Boston, everything, they traveled with their own chefs. Yeah. So we, I'd, I'd get off the bus. They had like four buses. I'd get off the bus. I shared with one other guy and, um, uh, we, I'd go in and there'd be breakfast prepared and I'd eat and then lunch would be prepared and then dinner prepared and then an after show snack. And it was like, I was so spoiled. Yeah. And that it was hard to go back to the striper thing because it was back to one bus and no hotel sometimes and just grueling it out. And I, I, it made me appreciate those days with Boston a lot more for sure. Oh, of course. I mean, and, and ultimately, you know, we do this because that we have fans, right? And fans are the ultimate importance, you know, they always want music, you know, and that's for me, it's important to deliver great music, you know, or great LA guns music or whatever, you know, to feed what they, what they want, you know, and that's why I've always toured is to make that connection. Right. You know, like, yeah. like, Hey man, here it is. Nice to see everybody. They're there. It's nice to see us and all those things. But are bands really supposed to last 35 years, 40 years, 50 years on, on what I call the Shitland circuit? You know, <laughs> it's better than the Chitlin circuit, but it's definitely the Shitland circuit. You know, it's like it's brutal. Yeah. You know, it really is. And like Michael said, it's not that it's not in our DNA and we don't want to do it because we love the performance. The performance is awesome, you know, and the connection with the fans is awesome. But there's got to be, you know, a reality check at some point. Right. You know, where you're just like, fuck, you see the schedule and I'm just like, nope. <laughs> you know? well, hey, Tra Tracy, I'm even considering... Uh, Lisa and myself are, are talking about buying a, an RV and because I do a lot of solo acoustic shows yep. and just hopping in that thing and going, man, and uh, just her and I and the cat and yep. maybe a little lap dog and, and hitting the road and doing it that way for a while. And it might be kind of fun. Who knows? I, I think that that would be an amazing adventure. Yeah. You know, I think that that sounds exciting. I think it'd be great for your fans. It'd be it'd be very therapeutic for you and Lisa. Yeah. Um, th there's no downside to that. And think of all the the I love KOAs, those campgrounds. You know, they're they're awesome. I, we just checked one out here, and they're beautiful. The only thing I wouldn't get used to is in a church parking lot. You may see me in my my boxers, and I'm emptying the shitter off the, <laughs> into the woods. You know, that that would be hard to get used to. <laughs> like the scene out of Vacation, <laughs> the shitter's full. So, Mark, what do, what do you have coming up? Uh, actually, uh, speaking of RVs, I'm actually going to be getting an RV uh, tomorrow and head out to uh, the Live United Live Music Festival with Dokken, Warrant, Winger, Alita Ford. Jack wow. Firehouse, George Lynch, Eric Martin, all these guys. Wow. So this is the first time in since COVID over a year that I've had a shot a concert. So wow. I'm, awesome. I'm going there with my girlfriend and her kids. I'm going to show them what it's like at a rock show that she's got like a 16 and a 19 year old that are going to come with us. They're going to get an wow. RV. I'm making arrangements for backstage. Wow. I, uh, I, I'm doing Jack's, Jack Russell's uh, 
cover for his book. So that I'm excited about. We're doing that tomorrow at the hotel before That's the true. show. And, uh, and Doc, and I had this great idea. And uh, I did a cover on Hit Parader in 1986 or seven of George and Don. And this is when it, they were using their rivalry uh, as publicity. It was like, it was, uh, uh, you know, right, right. They, they decided to do to try to get some publicity. And, you know, cause they were at each other's throats a lot and it was, you know, they talked about it openly and they, they, they used it, you know, they joked about it. And we did a cover uh, of them holding these two little guns, like plastic guns on back to back, you know? So right. I have, so George is going to be there. Uh, George is doing a set and then he's going to come out and do a few songs with Dokken. Right. Uh, and, uh, and they went back to back. I, I figured we, we do a, sh a similar type shot, but I have, I have these like uh, pirate swords. So I'm going to say, you know, George and Don still at each other's throats and I want to get the shot of them like slicing each other, you know? So I just picked up this, this pirate swords today and we'll see if I get the shot. Like Don's up for it. And uh, I talked to Don and, you know, George, I'm gonna have to like spring at the last minute and just say, yeah, close your eyes, hold this, and then open them. <laughs> and uh, we'll see oh. if I get it. So, but what you're really saying is none of us are ever gonna grow up. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. But this know. is true. This is very true. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, man, I've, I've heard some juicy stories from George uh, on the phone in, in through text messaging. And wow, there, there was some, whew, there was some heat, man, between really? him and Don for sure. There, I, I guess still is, but it's that love-hate relationship that works for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely have that, that chemistry, or they did, for sure. No, they still I do. Know. I don't think they ever grew up, but I, I think they see the big picture, and 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 they're, they did grow up in respect to, you know, it's a business, uh, the fans want to see it, and it's a chance right. where more fans can see, especially when they come together for a few songs. I mean, how great would that be, you know? So, yeah. so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that this weekend. It's like amazing. And and I give both of you guys and all these bands such credit for doing these tours because like me, like when I, I when I go on tour with a band, it's like I go for a week or two and I, I'm kind of like the new girlfriend. Like I, they, you know, I go on the bus and there's like, hey, Mark's coming, you know? And they, you know, they know they're gonna get pictures in the magazines and. And right. it's almost like, you know, it's, it's another, you know, friend. And, uh, but I know when I'm not there and when, you know, it, the, the day-to-day -day grind is, is huge, you know, cause I witnessed it there. Like the first day, yeah. it's like, it's like, great. It's first date. And then the second oh, yeah. date comes and then I'm, I'm seeing, oh shit, I, I better not go in there. And cause you know, I'm, I'm a fly on the wall and I know when and not, when not to, and oh, they're yeah. so comfortable around me that, like they'll have arguments in front of me and you know, you got to listen because you don't want to be taking pictures while yeah. it's a heated moment. You know, sometimes sure. it's okay to do that and, it, and you get it and you get it real quick and you run out and then you get that. But, that um, but, but these guys like, you know, day after day, I mean, it's like your life. And if yeah. you have, if you have a family or, you know, and, and, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing how you guys pull two different lives, really, and decide to do that, you know? So. You know what it's like? I compare it to a circus. It Definitely. really is. It's yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, pulling into town, traveling like that, setting yes. up all the rides, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, making everybody happy, hopefully, and then tearing down all the rides. And it's like, and doing that again and again and again. And man, it's just so... There's so much work that goes into it that people don't really realize or understand. Uh, it, it's and and they think like the life of a rock star is this incredible, you know, beautiful thing. And boy, it's 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 not easy. It's not always easy. It's sure. really not. And and when when you have a bad night, sometimes you know because you, you can't your voice can't be a hundred percent each time, and you know everything else. You know things are on your head, and you know the yeah. fans expect it. And, yeah. and then you get, you know, the press will write something crappy about a performance or something. Now they have video. So it's like, oh, great. Exactly. You know, yeah. I just totally. found out, I just found out my kid broke his leg and I had to perform and, you know, and yeah. so, you know, my, my, you know I, what, Jizzy, um, Jizzy spoke of this video shaming years ago, yeah. years ago, like, you know, I think the first time he was in LA Guns was, man, I'm not even sure, like 1999, right? I think Jizzy was in LA Guns. And there wasn't, I, 
I don't know if YouTube was a thing yet. It might have started, but you could post a video in like a message board. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could do that. And he always told me, hey, be careful, you know, at our shows, people videotaping you or the band or anything like that, because I have a feeling that it's really going to hurt people, you know, not us specifically, but this new phenomena where people could share personal, intimate, behind the scenes kind of things or bad performances or whatever it is. And my attitude was always like, well, yeah, but you know, I don't care if, you know, if, if I play ballad of Jane, you know, a whole step out of key or something like that, it'd be funny, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's you. He goes, but you know, think about other people and, and, you know, and, and their shortcomings and how it's going to affect artists and performers psychologically. Yeah. I I remember that when, when Motley went back out on that, that last tour or whatever that tour was uh, a few years, like four or five years ago. I mean, this out of the first couple shows, like there was so much stuff on the, on the web and on YouTube about Vince and, you know, his singing and how he looked and all that. And I'm like, man, geez, he's not 25 years old. I know. (laughs) know, Come on. You know, like, and it's happening now. I mean, it's happening now. I just, saw two or three stories about Vince. Uh, he's out playing and, you know, he made a comment about he, he can't sing. He lost his voice and he left the stage and everyone's talking about how he looks negatively and how he sounds negatively. And it's like, God, man, you know, and, and it's easy to jump on that train, but give the guy a break. Like you yeah. said, yeah, he's, he's probably 60 years old. Sure. Yeah. Right. And it's like, man, let's see where you are. The, yeah. the ones talking crap, right. let's see where you are when you're 60 years old. Right. And yeah. And, and do you want the world talking about it? And, you know, it's. Well, you know what, 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 what I, I always kind of refer to like the Eagles and they're very tumultuous, you know, whatever word you want to use relationship and the way they toured and come back together and things like that. And. I think they've dealt with it really well, you know, like even when they get back together and they tour and they do stuff, sometimes they just do like these kind of acoustic shows or even their big shows are a lot more suited towards their age and the bulk of their audience age. Like it's like when I'm 60 and my fans are my age, 55 now. So then, you know, five years. Yeah. I think people want to, go and experience the thing but it can't be that pleasant after about 10 or 15 minutes you know it's like (laughs) it it just can't be you know because everybody's grown up and everybody's experienced different kinds of music through their life and and but a constant barrage of of just blistering 121 decibel rock i just don't see the pleasure in it for anybody you know for an hour and a half really (laughs) you know so so my thought you know personally with la guns and i can only speak for la guns is that our catalog is so big that when we do finally tour our set's going to be a lot different next time right yeah it's going to be a lot more of the more musical stuff that people always ask about how come you guys never play like your real music you always play you know the hits of course and you're always bashing us over the head and it's like well because the last two records we made were successful you know right. and it's like yeah. yeah but you had these songs on those records that everybody likes and it's like so finally i'm kind of like listening to that point of view it's like yeah you know yeah our fans are in their mid 50s you know early 50s and you know maybe there's more to LA guns live than sex action and no mercy. You know? yeah. And, yeah, uh, I mean, that's what I always used to love about, you know, years and years ago when VH1 or MTV had the, the, uh, like the acoustic shows when, you know, bands come on and like, you know, Michael, you mentioned. Yeah. You Unplugged. Yeah. Unplugged. Yeah. Like I, I love that stuff when a band, you know, what a, you know, hard rock or whatever, you know, even hip hop, some hip hop guys did it. They would come out yeah. and do all their music, totally stripped down acoustic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, there's really, I mean, to me, I loved that stuff and I can't get enough of it when 
you know, you go see something and you like you do sex action in a totally different way as opposed yeah. to the straight ahead, you know, uh, crushing it. And I think yeah. fans want that, especially fans of bands that have been around for 30 years. And have heard sometimes it's even better if you if you do it right and arrange it right. Sometimes the interpretation of an acoustic version is even better than the original version. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that to be the case with some of our songs when we perform them acoustically, like all for one. It's cool on the album and one of my favorite Striper songs, but when we do it acoustic, there's something very unique and special about it. And it resonates really well with the crowd too. They seem to really like it. So yeah. I dig that too, man. If, if it's if it's done right, I mean, sometimes right. it's the opposite and you'll hear an acoustic version. It's like, oh, you probably yeah. shouldn't be doing that, you know? <laughs> Especially if like, like, you know who did that well? Page and Plant did that real well. Oh like, yeah. Where from night to night when they were touring, they could break it way down, you know, and like be almost quiet, even playing the immigrant song, whatever they were doing. And then they'd have other nights, of course, where they'd ramp it up, you know, yep. but they were very flexible with all that music, you know, like, like, Hey, we're really going to give it one tonight. And then another nights are like, Hey, we're just going to yep. play to the crowd. We're going to connect. And especially cause plant, trying to be 25 right you know, once he was even 30 years old wasn't in the cards you yeah. know it's just, it's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah. they really have to tailor and trim and, and and that's the the crazy thing about led zeppelin you know page so desperately you know 2007 they finally did that reunion and everything like that and he desperately wants to do that and plant being so true to himself and not biting on the cheese is like I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it, you know, yeah. which is really shows that he has a lot of self respect. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to go out there and stick my dick in the fucking air so critics can just shred me down so Jimmy can do 20 minute guitar solos. Yeah. You know what I mean? And a lot of us as like hardcore fans were like, man, but come yeah. on, you know. Yeah. But the reality is, an adult, man. You don't do it, yeah. you know. If and they're they're in their seventies now, aren't they? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're 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 up there in age, man. I I know I I think about the future and me hitting seventy and going out and doing what we do, and I just can't even imagine it. Yeah, I can't imagine. It, but you never know. I couldn't imagine doing this when I was forty. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in my early thirties, I swear to you, I was like, when I'm forty, it's blues. I swear. <laughs> That was it. Like when I'm 40, I'm stripping it down. I'm yep. blues, blues versions of LA Gun songs and all that stuff. Yep. And I just made the most high energy album of my life with Michael Sweet from Striper. <laughs> you know, it's just like I'm not doing myself any favors. <laughs> yeah. No. But maybe at 56, you you do the blues thing for a year. Oh boy, I don't know. What the hell. But right, I'm, guys. you can tell that I'm tortured right now. Yeah, I you totally do. <laughs> Listen, man, th thank you guys very much for hanging out with us and, and shooting it with us for a while. Um, I, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Something is going to happen. I just can't wait to see what it is. But if, if it's LA Guns and Striper together, separate, I'll be there if you get out this way. And I'm up north a bunch, so maybe I'll see you, Michael, at one of your shows up that way. Absolutely, man, that'd be awesome. Um, Anything else, Mark, before we go? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing both of you guys, uh, you know, separately together. Uh, really looking forward to, you know, hearing new music. I'm looking forward to this weekend. And I actually have uh, an exhibition at uh, this summer called, and I'm calling it Weiss Fest 2021. I have a bunch of bands playing. And, right. uh, and uh, you know, just bring, sell some books, of course, The Decade That Rocked. I'm on yep. the I'm on the fifth pressing. We're just uh, waiting for more now. So, uh, you know, it's going good. It's in four languages, you know, so it's, it's going good. Yeah. If, you, if you need a Danish version, my, my wife's a translator. Like, she's a journalist, and she does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Danish. Just putting that out there. Oh, I'm going to reach out for sure. Man. If you need an audio book and a New York accent, I can probably come up with one. <laughs> okay. So this is Mark Weiss, and here's me hanging out with Don. <laughs> I just, got the, I just got the rights back to my book, man. So we're going to do some some 
new interesting stuff with that different languages and i'm going to do an audio version as well but it was owned by another company and i i bought the rights back so because they weren't doing anything with it but yeah, anyway i've learned a lot just like the, the you know the bands learning when they signed their first record deal i've learned a lot certainly my you know with my oh, yeah. first my first deal you know yeah how it all works and how what you can do and what they do and but you got to experience it. So it's like, I, I never look back. I always move forward. Uh, just like you guys, you know, it's, you got to be where you are, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it, you know, you, you sign things and you do things that, you know, looking back, maybe you shouldn't have, but you're here uh, doing what you do. You're here now doing what you do. They oh, love me too. So Mark, yeah. why don't you just, why don't you talk about your t-shirt for a second? Oh yeah. My t-shirt line. This is my first one. Uh, Rob Halford. This is uh yes. This is from my forward in my book, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be out in like it's a, it's actually a woman's shirt, but you know anyone can wear it. Uh, it's really <laughs> if you uh, cut really the sleeves cool. off. If you cut the sleeves off, anyone can wear it. And check this out. It's got like I don't know if you can see this, but it's got my camera logo on oh, it, cool. and my oh, name. That's awesome. And uh, this is the back of this one here. I'm not gonna expose this one yet because that's this nice. one, this one we just. We just uh, sold like a bunch to uh, Nordstrom's, like like six hundred uh, to eight hundred units. Uh, wow. It'll be out be out in August. There's, you know, I got I got uh, Don Dockin on board, D. Snyder, Stephen Adler, that's awesome, Rob man. Halford, and uh, you know, so it's gonna be uh, Tom Kiefer too. So uh, it's gonna be the whole line. I'm gonna try to package my books with it, so you might yeah. you might see my books in Nordstrom along with all my. <laughs> Cool shirts and Dude, that's uh, killer, man. That that's is really killer. killer. And, and the Halford one, where uh, Rob's donating some pro the proceeds to uh, Glenn's uh, foundation, Glenn Tipton. Oh, nice. So it's a it's a brand called Recycled Karma. Is it on their site? Are they putting them up on their website too? Uh, we're working on a on a on a homepage for me right now. It's just part of uh, you know their collection. But once we launch enough out, that we're going to do that. And and Greg helped me get that deal. So thank you, Greg. <laughs> You're quite welcome. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having us. Trace, I'll see you. Mark, yeah. I'll see you. Greg, I'll see you. Maybe down in St. Augustine at some point in time. All right. Amen. Thank you. All right, guys. Oh.